a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 <laughs> oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is that theme over? Welcome to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. A few weeks ago, Pastor Wolf Miller, you were reading a listener email uh, for show 200, and I think uh, they were commending us for uh, 2,000 shows of meteorocity, and we correct... 2,000 shows? Whoa, don't get ahead of yourself. Did I That's say a little bit millennial. Did I say 2,000? You did. Oh, 200, sorry. Uh, 200 shows of meteorocity. And I think you corrected this particular listener saying, hey, wait a minute. Um, this was uh, about 115 um, uh, were were just below normal, then the rest were mediocrity. And I right, think right. I've discovered the distinguishing factor. Yeah, what's that? Uh, the show rises to mediocrity when we have a guest on the program. And that is oh, the case nice. for today's program. Yeah. Later we're going to be playing the predictable Ph.D. student with Mark Pearson. <laughs> but that sounds like a winner. That is not after some Facebook status theology. Pastor Wolfinger has been pouting all week because last week we didn't have a chance to get to Facebook status theology. And it's like, you know you know what it's like when you go on vacation and uh, someone someone in your group has, has not had the opportunity to check Facebook every hour? In fact, just before we got on the air, you were complaining that, I haven't been able to been, be in front of a computer screen all day. So um, we're well, going to... complaining. We're, I was kind gonna, of rejoicing, but I'm, I was looking for some email, and this is the problem. Yeah. Is it, uh, We don't have any new emails today. It's true. So uh, we, well, we do have new emails from listeners, but every time the, emails, the listener emails us, it's about a praise song, or about a church sign, or about a bumper sticker, or Facebook status theology. We don't ever get any... That's good. You know, well, keep those coming. What's for sure. Evan doing on Friday night? Kind of emails. <laughs> this week I'll be going to an LWML convention. How did, <laughs> how did you, Finally, how did you keep your eyes Friday? wide open, Evan? <laughs> yeah, a mission project. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think there's a uh, proposal for an LWML mission grant for the uh, Evan Gigland Date Fund. <laughs> did you say proposal? <laughs> see, <laughs> oh man! See, there, there's only about to be a table talk radio co-host. You need about four jokes. Uh, one of them is about uh, your your other co-host's uh, marital status, um, and then the rest just kind of fills out. So, uh, don't worry. Those of you who aspire to be a table talk radio co-host, it's not that it's not that hard of a job. Yeah, have those applications been rolling in? They have. They have. I'm looking for our Facebook page. I'm by surprised the way. you haven't gotten the pink slip in the mail. Did you check the mail today? <laughs> No. I've been away from the email for eight hours. I told you. All right. Lest we be accused of being the God whispers, let's get on with it. 
Um, my theological buzzword for you, Pastor Wolf, there is <laughs> rubrics. <laughs> that's oh, a good. That's a good one. Uh, this I'm getting, reading this. What from... seminary did you go to? <laughs> hey, I went to hey. Fort Wayne. Uh, you did too, by the way, so you should know hey. this. Uh, the word rubrics comes from the Latin word for red. Did you know that? Uh, no. You must have been sleeping during liturgics class. Um, this is, these are the instructions which are often printed in red for the minister or ministers and the congregation um, concerning how to conduct the service. So it's really easy. When you have your hymnal, you just you do the red and say the black. You know, It's nice, nice and easy. Got it. Uh, my buzzword for you is image of God. Imagio Dei. I'll give you a double if you get it in Latin without me noticing. Uh, it means, by the way, when God created us in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Men and female, he created them. That's Genesis 1.26, a Trinitarian reference, the threefold creation there. Uh, this means that Adam and Eve were created in perfect righteousness. That is, they were per- created in perfect fear, love, and trust in God. Of course, original sin means the lack of fear, and in fact, the lack of the ability to fear, love, and trust in God. And so we do not have the image of God anymore. It's lost. Wah, wah. Um, yep. But? What was that? that that's get, the you, loss of it? That, you want some gospel now? Yeah. But Christ is the image of God brought uh, um, now, restored to the earth. And in Christ now we're rejoined to the Lord's family. Seems like I remember someone like Walter talking about uh, gospel predominating, but, you know, whatever. That was a long time ago. (laughs) All right. uh, Oh, man, I've got to do some. Please send us your emails or else we'll have to do Facebook status status theology every week. So please send us your uh, questions at questions at tabletalkradio.org or you can give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA is the number. 1-800-385-7652 or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Org. Okay, let's see what Facebook status sees. I'm looking through this. I'm looking at our Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash groups slash 349 <laughs> Do you have that memorized yet? Almost, but do you have their phone number memorized yet? No. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, th- but on our Facebook fan page, it's all... I haven't looked on this in a long time. You guys need to behave around here. <laughs> No one's moderating this. Uh, apparently not. Man, but it's uh, mostly uh, it's mostly uh, like this: uh, uh, f- uh, church sign theology, but pictures of bumper stickers, Ascension Day stuff. But here's an interesting one: it says liquor store sign theology. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Ready. You can't buy happiness unless booze makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's kind of like what we were talking about a few weeks ago, the guy who said you can buy happiness, you just got to buy it for someone else. Remember? Uh, remember the TED TV thing, they're always talking about happiness. Oh yeah, that's true. I remember that. Hmm. Okay. So what do you so, think about that? Um that's true uh the the, the what was it? Did they call it booze? Is that what it says? Um, this is a first article gift. However, there is a uh, great temptation here uh, to cross the line between uh, enjoying a first article gift and making it your god. Th- this is the old Adam's uh, main main. This is what the old. If, if the old Adam is a professional, in anything is he's a professional at taking the creation and making it his god to worship it. So there is a temptation, even with with uh, something as as wonderful as alcohol, that. Um, that we would uh, abuse it and uh, worship it, and uh, if this if this is the case, even if you're uh, tempted uh, to to treat alcohol in this way, 
it's best just to uh, abstain altogether. I don't know what you're talking about because I'm looking at Facebook here, looking for the next thing to say since you, since I have to do all this work, <laughs> unlike most of the time. Brother. When I'm looking at Facebook because you're doing the work. Here's, by the way, a note. This is kind of nice. Uh, this is from Stephen on our fan page. My daughter was thinking about writing an argumentative essay about worship songs. While investigating the possibility of getting enough sources, she ran into a problem. The school's computer blocked the Table Talk radio page because of, <laughs> get this, it was entertainment. <laughs> computer's a genius. Are we entertaining? Apparently. Church sign, Methodist church I passed on the way to work this morning says this. Live life like you golf. Make sure you follow through. Hmm. I don't know why a church would put that on their sign. Uh, live life like you golf. Make sure you follow through. You don't? I okay, mean, was the was the person who has the key to the little church sign watching Oprah one day, like an Oprah rerun, and she said that, like right before commercial. And I... That would be good on our church sign. People will come to church if we have that. I mean, I just don't yeah. get it. I'm not 100% sure what the purpose of a church sign is to begin with. Uh, well, it could be it. to tell you what time to come to receive Jesus. I mean, that would be a useful, a good use of a church sign. Yeah. Hey, if I was here on Sunday, what time would I want to come to hear about Jesus? Uh, well, just look at the sign. Um, or I, we have um, we, yeah, there, my my cell phone number is on the uh, the church sign. So if if someone comes by to see me and uh, I'm not here, they could they could you know pull out their cell phone, give me a call. That's good. Uh, does that happen a lot? No, never. It hasn't happened in the year it's been on the sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably true that nobody looks at church signs. Here's another one. Church sign it says righteousness is where faith meets the road. Uh, false. False. Righteousness is what? <laughs> uh, righteousness is what is imputed to us as a gift from, from God. Um, faith receives. Faith receives that. This church sign would imply that faith, um, now faith and works do go together, but our righteous, our righteousness is not found in the works that flow from faith. Uh, our righteousness is found in the works of Jesus bestowed to us, received by faith. Um, but, uh, no, the righteousness is not an outgrowth of faith. I found finally a Facebook status theology down here. It says this, uh, Facebook status theology. F- friend shared something from Joyce Meyer's page, which says, quote, God delights in our obedience. Pray and obey, because God has given you the capacity to do both. Oh, brother. Um, okay, uh, so pray and what? Pray and obey. Oh, okay. God has given you the capacity to do both. Well, uh, I think in the image of God, God has given the, us the capacity. However, How? since the fall, uh, we have lost. Uh, Use the buzz phrase in the first segment. Is that extra points or what? No, it's <laughs> less extra points. Not extra points. Come on. Just because I don't have a, I don't get to end the show on a joke liner every week where I get to use my buzzword, uh, doesn't mean that I, I can't fill it into the first, uh, first segment. Hey, we need to go to commercial break. What? And then after the, during this break, Pastor Wolfman is going to look for some more Facebook status theology since he only found one in the first 12 minutes of the program. Uh, if you want to, uh, send us a question, send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Or give us a call at 1-800-385-SOLA. Table Talk Radio will be right back. 
children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Don't ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Because you're my Facebook friend. Yeah, you're my Facebook friend. I'm going to poke you once again. Because you're my Facebook friend. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Hey, if you have a phone with the Android operating system, you should check out uh, the Table Talk Radio app that's available at the Play Store from Google. Uh, download that, and you can listen to uh, your Table Talk Radio apps right there on your on your Android phone. Uh, you can even search for uh, what topics, uh, um, things that, that are mentioned in the show description there. So if uh, you, there's a particular show you're looking for, you might be able to find it through the search thing that's available at the uh, Table Talk Radio Android app. Have you do you have yours there, uh, Pastor? Yeah, Warner? You've, been, you've been using it, listening to all the oh, Table yeah. Talk Radio. I just, it's doesn't haven't stopped yet. Turned it on like three days ago. Still, playing. <laughs> still going. <laughs> when okay. We get to our 2000 show. It'll probably stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're such a millennial. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Facebook says theology. I'll explain why that's funny because they like thousands. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Thousands. Got it. So Facebook says theology. Someone had the brilliant idea um, that hey, we should analyze theological statements that people place on Facebook. Do people are people talking about theology a lot on Facebook? Are they saying hey, here's a good uh, theological? Yeah, it's mostly like you? this. Uh, Jesus loves you, and if you don't forward this to 20 people, he'll hate you. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, boy, this is a real sell. I kind of want to get Facebook now. Oh, I know. You're killing <laughs> I, I thought I – I mean, if this didn't work, when you were forbidden from on high from having a Facebook account, if that doesn't spur you on to getting one, then <laughs> I don't know what will. So do you, do, you, uh, do you just, I mean, utterly refuse to forward something like that because um, – you know they're they're trampling on your Christian freedom. Um, I mean, it's, yes, it's like I the do. stick in the eye of Lutheranism. Stuff, See, I think you should get rid of Facebook as a testimony of your Christian freedom. You, I should get rid of Facebook as a testimony to my Christian freedom. Right, because hmm. someone is saying that you have to forward this, or else you don't love Jesus. Oh, someone's not saying you have to be on Facebook, or else you don't love Jesus. <laughs> I, in fact, you, you have to be on Facebook s- unless <laughs> or else you're you don't sitting love there Jesus. saying the opposite of that. I have to keep my Facebook account because you. Anyway, I found some statuses, by the way. Okay, go. Uh, my Christian beliefs boil down to two scriptures. First John four eight, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, and Matthew seven twelve. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That is my belief, all boiled down to its essence. Hmm. Um, what's uh, so? First John four eight is is God is love. Whoever does not love does not, not know God. Know. Yeah. So uh, this person's beliefs all just boil down to uh, particular law passages. Right. God is love. That little phrase there is gospel. But um, whoever does not love does not know God. That is law. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're right. So, so there's a, a gospel nugget there. However, with coupled with these two verses together, it seems like the person will be placing the emphasis on the first part of that verse. Right. Yeah. Um, you it, are again with this, the law, the gospel should predominate. 
Yeah, you could have that. You 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 should have one of those, and then have another one that is uh, just beautiful gospel. Then you have the law and gospel boiled down right there in your theology. It wouldn't be bad, but it's true when you boil most people's doctrine down. It's just it gets down to the word love because when you boil the law down. When you take the law and you pour it in a pot and you reduce it to make a sticky sauce out of it, I know this because I watch Chopped, <laughs> then the wor- thing that you get, the thing that's left is the word love. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, what else? Yeah. Uh, he- Facebook status theology. Heaven is with you. Search your heart for love and you'll find yourself there. Was the first part heaven is with you? Heaven is within you. Oh, within you. Oh, okay. Heaven is within you. Search your heart for love, and you'll find yourself there. Oh, boy. False. <laughs> is this a sitting true, there saying it's true? True false test. False. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of our uh, f- uh, fans comments, folks who search for love in their heart will hate anyone who questions the search pattern used. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good. Love is not found, it's given and received. <laughs> and then another person adds this comment, uh, this scripture text, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, there's something about that. Look at these. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, there's three passages. I'll read all three. First, Jeremiah 17, 9, then Mark 7. And he said, that which comes out of the man that defiles the man, for within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, le- how do you say this word, lavishness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man, Mark 7. And then, and nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. That's Gladriel. <laughs> <laughs> Not so sure about our fans quoting Gladriel, <laughs> the elf princess, along with Jesus and Jeremiah, but anyhow. Uh, so heaven was, is within you. Search your heart for love and you'll find yourself there. So, so the listeners are, are on to something. So, I mean, uh, here the, the, the Facebook says, uh, seems to imply that uh, if, you, uh, if you look within, you'll find, you'll find, uh, you'll find love. Now you just got done saying that the 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 love is what boils down to the heart, or excuse me, what lo, uh Sorry, I was thinking about your 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 silly sauce analogy. When you boil down the law, you get you get love, right? So all you need is love. <laughs> <laughs> when when you then look into your to your heart, if you were to find love, you would find um you would find condemnation. Because well, you'd find love of self is what you'd find. That's the only love you'll find. That's true. Um, but but see that the 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 law condemns us, uh, and, and and we're gonna see out of the heart flows flows every corruption. So um, you're right. So so love for self. So I I look within and uh, and I find that um, I would rather stay at home and watch TV than go serve my neighbor today. I mean that's that's what my what my flesh wants. That's what my flesh wants. So. Uh, and then uh, the 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 law condemns us. That says this is you're a sinner for 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 wanting and desiring such things. Right, I agree with you. What else am I supposed to say? Rubrics. You you want that to be your entry? Huh? That'll be one point if you. I by the way think that I've just had a change of heart here, and that is, um, I think instead of having rules to our games, we ought to call them the rubrics. So the rubrics for Facebook status theology are. 
I like it. That's good. Thank you. Here's another one. I got another one. Okay. Ready? Facebook status theology. You know when you say the magic words, you want to go for a walk to a dog? They cock their head and wiggle their tail and start jumping and barking? Well, Jesus gets excited, too, when you say the same thing to him. Oh, man. Oh. That reminds me of that, that uh, children's song. Um, <laughs> what, how does that go? Hallelujah, and he's barking like a dog. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so here, here we got a we have, got some uh, comments on one of them says I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> I I have two problems with this. All right, the first one uh, may <sighs> <laughs> the analogy of our Lord Jesus, um, who bled and died for us to win for us salvation, and then to uh, make his his work analogous to a dog getting excited for excited for a walk is just bordering on on um, what's that word I'm looking for blasphemy yeah blasphemy that aside even if that so so now I mean that that's atrocious but that aside let's look at this even just theologically if you can if you can just stomach that is that true theologically the answer is no it's not true theologically that would mean that our Lord is pleased with us on the basis of our works so that oh yes uh, uh as if as if the lord is just you know waiting around oh i hope ryan will spend time with me today i hope he'll go on a walk with me today um if uh if if brian set out to to excite and and please the lord because of his walk um the lord is going to be utterly disappointed every single time and that's not just because of brian i mean Brian's a, a fair case, but this is true for all of us because we can't please our Lord on the basis of our walk and the basis of our works. Um, God is pleased with us solely on the basis uh, of faith because of what Christ has done for us. So uh, there is no uh, pleasing God beyond what he has already pleased in us be- because of our faith. Right. You know, I'm starting to come to the conviction more and more and more that there are... Um that there are two totally different ways of understanding what righteousness is. And, and here's the example. There's two ways to be finished with your dinner. Have we talked about this? Mm-mm. But you have you 20 seconds. Two, two ways to be finished with your dinner. You can eat all the food or your mother can tell you you're finished. Mm-hmm. You can go. You nice. Can I like that. And everyone else wants to be done by eating all the dinner, but we know the gospel is that we're done because Jesus says we're done. We're good because Jesus says we're good. We're righteous. Not because we've finished doing all the good works, but because Jesus has called us righteous. Yeah, that is that is wonderful. So uh, when we have uh, the God who created all things, who is the Lord of all, declare to us, you are righteous. And you say, oh, but I can be righteous by my walk with Jesus. Or I can be righteous by uh, loving uh, my neighbor. Uh, the Lord has me going, uh, why is my righteousness declared to you not good enough? Uh, faith receives just by believing in the promises of God. Yeah, look, and we're the puppies sitting at the table waiting for the crumbs of Jesus. That's right. We'll be right back. She's got Facebook, MySpace, MSN too. She's got Bebo, YouTube. She's Twitter and you. And I'm calling, but she don't want to know. I'm falling as her friends fade as grows. 
Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? And welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, so in uh, this... <laughs> Half hour of the program, we're playing the... Just keep that thing going. <laughs> that, by the way, Very Superstitious by Stevie Wonder qualifies as one of the songs you can listen to for a week straight. You, you know you know how a dog is when you uh, say you want to go for a walk? <laughs> Pastor Wolfner does that when you play Superstition from Stevie Wonder. <laughs> In uh, this half hour of the program, we're playing the game The Predictable... Reminds me of the start of the show. How it should be. <laughs> the That's the bump we'll use in the resurrection. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, Mark Pearson is joining us. Mark has a, uh, let's see, let's, let me roll out his credentials here. Uh, he has a uh, master's degree in Reformation Theology, uh, master divinity in uh, master divinity from Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, is currently studying New Testament uh, in a Ph.D. program. So, Oh, and his most distinguished credential is that he will be speaking uh, at Faith Lutheran Church in Rogue <laughs> River, Oregon, uh, June 16th on a seminar on evangelism. So if you're in the area, uh, come for that. Mark, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Oh, is this Table Talk? With all that, I thought I was on the God Whispers with Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he was, he, uh, no, uh, Swirla was giving us some lip at the uh, Fort Wayne uh, senior Some event. lip. <laughs> I heard that same thing, too. Apparently mm. it wasn't recorded because some things are better left. <laughs> Without proof. it'll it'll go into the yeah you know, the depths of the unknown. All right, so how this game works is that we're gonna play a uh, a clip, something for Mark to respond to, and uh, he's gonna give us his response to these clips, and then uh, both Brian and I are going to uh, try and predict what a PhD student would say in response to these uh, various clips. Uh, so the first one we have is uh, Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, uh, the uh, self-proclaimed anti-theist. One of the new atheists, uh, and this is in a uh, part of his opening debate versus Dinesh D'Souza at the University of Notre Dame, and this is what uh, Christopher Hitchens uh, advises to those listening to this debate. And I'm speaking tonight. We are speaking tonight. We're met tonight um, at an institution of higher learning, and the greatest obligation that you have is to keep an open mind and to realize that in our present state, human society. We're more and more overborne by how little we know and how little we know about more and more. Or, if you like, how much more we know, but how much less we know as we find out how much more and more there is to know. In these circumstances, which I believe to be undeniable, the only respectable intellectual position is one of doubt, skepticism, reservation, and free, and I'd stress free and unfettered inquiry in that lies as it has always lain our only hope. So you should beware always of those who say that these questions have already been decided, in particular to those who tell you that they've been decided by reservation, excuse me, by revelation, uh, that that there are handed down commandments and precepts that predate, in a sense, ourselves, and that the answers are already available if only we could see them, and that the obligation upon ourselves to debate ethical and moral and historical and other questions is thereby Dissolved. It seems to me that that is the one position, it's what I call the faith position, that has to be discarded first. So, 
Thank you for your attention, and I'm done. All right, that's Christopher Hitchens. Mark, uh, how would you respond to uh, to that clip by uh, Christopher Hitchens? Well, um, I had not heard that one before. That's that's an interesting clip. Um, he has uh, a good thing and a bad thing in that clip, I would say. Um, the bad thing uh, and the problematic thing is that he says he's he's essentially saying, "I'm certain we cannot be certain of anything," which is somewhat self-refuting. Um, and he also talks about this obligation, but for him, I, I assume he means a moral obligation. It's a moral obligation for us to remain open-minded and to adopt a position of doubt, but as a full-blown atheist, uh, we're obligated by whom or by what? Uh, there's no such thing as morality. It's socially constructed. So why should I go with his supposed moral obligation over anyone else's? Um, the, uh, the good thing that he has to say which I think we would agree with, is that we don't start uh, simply with dogma. Uh, we don't start with an inspired, inerrant revelation from God, and we don't have to. And this is um, something that I think is rather unique to the Lutheran position. Uh, we operate inductively, so we examine the evidence, and we come up with the most probable scenario that takes account of all the available evidence, and that's how we determine who Jesus is. We don't start with Jesus, the divine uh, second person of the Trinity, we start with Jesus, the man, we look at the evidence, and we get to Jesus, the Son of God. Yeah. I also wonder for Hitchens, who are these Christians that he runs into? Because he seems to characterize all Christians as being fideous. And I've seen, uh, you've seen too, uh, William Lane Craig mopped the floor with Hitchens, and he's not a fideous. So I kind of think he's just mischaracterizing Christians in this. Yes. All right. Very good. Okay. So now, <laughs> Pastor Wolfman, how predictable is Mark Pearson? Well, I had four things down, uh, and I, and he said, uh, uh, Mark said two of them. Uh, the Christian origin of absolutes. I wrote that down. We heard that. Uh, epistemology comes from the assumption of truth. We didn't uh, didn't cover that. Uh, I, I thought we might say something about the virtue of doubt. Uh, the atheist virtue of doubt didn't hear anything about that. But then at the last note I said here is that revelation it starts by being historical. We begin with the evidence. And so we had that. So I got two out of four, predictable Ph.D. student. Kapow! <laughs> okay, you wrote I, down four things? Wow. <laughs> I, wrote down, I wrote down two things, um, that uh, he himself is, is coming to a conclusion uh, of which he is not being open-minded about. So he, when he says, hey, look, we all need to be uh, open-minded, yet he is being very closed-minded when he says that revelation has nothing to offer. Um, I, Mark didn't really say that, but this idea that, um, uh, that, that, that certain things are fully known, that you can't have this, uh, uh, this idea of, of full, um, full questioning because that itself would be a questioning, you'd be questioning, it's a self-refuting statement. So I think I got that too. So, I got one. You got two. Uh, so the score well, you're now. You're both 50-50, so I don't know how Ooh. that works. No, no, percentage. we don't go with percentages here. <laughs> we don't when, when, uh, when it favors Pastor Wolfbuehler. I know. <laughs> Next time I'm going to write down about 50 things. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> And the next clip, then we'll have we'll play it here. Then we'll have to get uh, Mark's response uh, after the commercial break. This next clip is uh, from Joshua Evans. Joshua Evans is a former evangelical uh, youth minister, uh, and he is a convert to Islam. And so this is uh, Josh Evans explaining um, one of the things that uh, convinced him to go to Islam based upon uh, Jesus in the Gospels. I started to read it, and I started to notice things 
about the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they were not what I had learned in church. Uh, when Jesus spoke, he spoke of the nature of God. And when he spoke of the nature of God, it was the same nature of God that I found in the Old Testament. Jesus said uh, many times that God is one. God is unique. He, he would even quote from the Hebrew scriptures. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is but one. Uh, when he was asked... What is the greatest commandment? Or the, he was asked the greatest commandment. He said the greatest commandment. And every Muslim should understand these two concepts. This should be nothing new to you. Uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. And then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said the rest hang on these two. Which we know how, we, in Islam we have rights of the creator and rights of the creation. Uh, so this was the concept that he was teaching. And he even, was, he even said in 1 John 5 and 17, and this was more clear to me than anyone else, anything else can be. This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And when you look at that in the Greek and the Aramaic, it is almost exactly to a T of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Now that I know Arabic and have understood that, very same similar statements. Yes indeed, there were some implicit statements uh, about that you could implicitly, if you took them and separated them from everything else, you could maybe derive that Jesus was trying to claim some divinity or, or something for himself. But I also know from doing psychology, and I did a little bit of law too, that an implicit statement cannot override an explicit statement. An explicit statement always takes precedence. So if Jesus said, God is one, and he anagorically may have alluded to God being more than one, then the clear statement overrides that each and every single time. Um, so this is what I found through the, through the New Testament. And I also found that Jesus taught salvation. But his salvation that he taught was obeying God and following the commandments. This was his mode of salvation. One man asked him, good master, tell me how I, I can inherit the etern uh, eternal life. He said, follow the commandments. Follow the commandments. He even, in Matthew, was so sincere about it. He said, whosoever shall follow the least of these commandments and teach men to do so, shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall break the least of these commandments and teach men to do so, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So this I understood very clearly, that Jesus taught the same nature of God that was in the Old Testament. He taught that the, the salvation lied in worshiping God, and following the commandments. This I understood. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were very clear about this. You know, there were other things, the only begotten son, you know, but these things were not in red letters, so I did not give them as much weight as what I did to the actual words that Jesus Christ was saying out of his own mouth. Okay, that was Joshua Evans, a former evangelical youth minister, uh, convert, con uh, a convert then to Islam. And we're going to get uh, Mark Pearson's response to that clip, and we're going to see how exactly how predictable he is. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, that's what's up after this commercial break. Hey, did you know, Pastor Wolfman, that we have a fantastic merchandise store at tabletalkradio.org? <laughs> Well, we haven't had time to feel like th that. You've had to mention that in a long time. <laughs> I know. Uh, so you should check out tabletalkradio.org and buy a uh, a doggy dish for yourself. So when you tell it <laughs> it's time to go for a walk and you go on a walk, it comes back and has some water from a We should make a radio. bumper sticker on there, a T-shirt that says, Jesus was not a Muslim. Also. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm 
This is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is the best radio program ever. Okay, I said it. Now will you let me go? Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing the predictable Ph.D. student. We just, after, uh, just before the break... I heard a clip from Joshua Evans, a former evangelical youth minister uh, who converted to Islam, and he said uh, when he read the New Testament, he saw uh, that Jesus uh, always said that he was one, uh, and he uh, also said that salvation was uh, by works. So, uh, Mark Pearson, what do you think of that? Uh, Well, I don't know what sort of church he went to. I don't know of a church that would teach something different than in the New Testament, but I'm naive. Um, he seems to say that Jesus was a monotheist, and since Jesus said God sent him, then obviously Jesus can't be God. And he goes on to say that you know anything that's implicit we can't take as having the same weight as anything that's explicit. He is basically cherry-picking, and this is really what Jehovah's Witnesses do and Mormons do. Um, I'll take the verses I like and ignore the ones I don't. So I'm, I'm a Muslim. I'm going to read the New Testament through the lens of the Quran. Sure, I can find some things that Jesus said that might kind of possibly match what's in my holy book, but he's completely ignoring others. Like, a very explicit statement from Jesus, one that would be in red letters, is, I and the Father are one. And that's in John, the same gospel that this guy quoted, where he seemed to say this is a a cut-and-dry case of where Jesus isn't God. Um, I would also say for uh, salvation... Uh, and this, you know, I'll defer to Pastor Wolfmuller on this, but he obviously doesn't understand law and gospel. Yes, Jesus says, do this and you will live. So can you do it? Can you keep the commandments? No, you can't. That's why I have to die for your sins. Uh, another explicit statement from Jesus, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. So he's really just uh, quoting as many verses as he can that might support uh, a Muslim understanding of God and salvation, but ignoring all those that support the Christian understanding. He's taking a verse here and there, but not the whole of the New Testament. So, whereas a Muslim should should be rather offended of someone, especially Jesus, saying that I'm going to die for for, um, for someone else for their sins, um, that should be atrocious. And that is just as red letter as Jesus saying, uh, hey, uh, you should obey the commandments and you'll be saved. Right. I thought that was odd that he said the only begotten part is not red letter. Um, in my in my red letter Bible, John 3.16 uh, counts. <laughs> so I don't know what he's doing there. And it just makes me wonder, who is he persuading with these arguments? I mean, it's just got to be a room packed full of Muslims or something. Like, no Christian who knows their Bible seems like, wow, really? I didn't know that. All right. That's, that's a problem, knowing their Bible. I got, boom, I got three out of five here. Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I wrote. Jesus claims to be God. Check. We had that one. Second point, if Jesus was a Muslim, he probably wouldn't have died <laughs> <laughs> on the cross. I mean, the Muslims say it's shameful. Yeah, of course Jesus didn't die on the cross because it would be shameful for Allah to let a prophet die on the cross. I mean, it's not like that's a minor part of the Bible, Jesus dying. Uh, I also said that Islam is a Christian heresy. That is a denial of the Trinity. Uh, that's what the Lutherans teach it uh, in the Book of Concord. They don't treat it as its own religion. We didn't get that one. Uh, I also wrote that the Trinity is not the teaching that there's three gods, but rather 
uh, one God and three persons. That wasn't mentioned. But then finally, if obedience is salvation and good works, then what of all the talk about Jesus of justification, forgiveness, ransom, grace, etc.? So I got three there. All right. I predicted that Mark would say that I'm naive, and he did. So that's amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't get that. But I did get two out of three. Um, I thought that uh, uh, Mark might mention that uh, Jesus received worship, which is an indication that uh, that um, that Jesus himself was God. Didn't didn't mention that. Uh, but uh, um, saying that uh, uh, the the law gospel dynamic of, of Jesus teaching. Uh, that uh, one must obey the commands. Uh, Mark did say that. And then also um, this uh, idea that somehow uh, uh, the explicit sayings of Jesus override the implicit sayings of Jesus, um, as if Jesus is just walking around contradicting himself. He expects you to have this theology of abrogation like the Quran um, is, is is pretty silly. So I, I, you know, Mark mentioned that too. So two out of three, I think. So... I'm up to three points. How many did you get again, Pastor Wolfmiller? I got three out of that one, two on the first one. I'm up to five. I've got... All right. That means I've got a thousand points. I've got a millennium of points. All right. Mark, would you rather hear about Bart Ehrman, uh, about the Gospels and disharmony, or uh, the Mormons uh, who say that they're really Christians? <laughs> oh, goodness. I'll let you decide. I mean, if... If the Book of Concord says that Islam is a, a Christian heresy, and of course I'm confessional, then maybe we've already heard our, our, from our cults today. But Bart Ehrman is kind of easy, because he does the same thing every time. I can just predict what he's going to do. I can do. We can do the, let's predict the Bart Ehrman program, and that'd be pretty easy. So, All right, let, let's play Bart Ehrman then. Here is Bart Ehrman in the debate versus Craig Evans, uh, and this is a three-minute clip of his opening opening argument. In my view, there is certainly historically reliable information in the Gospels, of course, but there are also pieces of historically unreliable information. This can be seen by the fact that sometimes there are flat-out discrepancies between the Gospels, as you will see yourself if you just read them carefully side by side. Let me give you just a taste out of a thousand examples. The Gospel of Matthew says that the father of Joseph, Jesus' father, was Jacob. His grandfather was Mathan, and his great-grandfather was Eleazar. The Gospel of Luke says that Joseph's father was Heli. His grandfather was Mathat, and his great-grandfather was Levi. Well, which was it? The genealogies differ. One of the key motives of the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus' disciples don't recognize him as the Messiah until chapter 8. But in the Gospel of John, they call him the Messiah right away, the first time they meet him in chapter 1. Which is it? How could it be both? There are small discrepancies between the Gospels, hundreds of them. Was Jairus' daughter sick, but still alive, when Jairus came to ask Jesus to heal her, as in Mark? Or did she just die before Jairus came, so that he asked Jesus to raise her from the dead, as in Matthew? Hard to see how it could be both ways. The Gospel of John says explicitly that Jesus died on the day of preparation for Passover, the afternoon before the Passover meal was eaten. The Gospel of Mark says explicitly that Jesus died the morning after the Passover meal was eaten. Don't take my word for it. Read John 19 and Mark 15 for yourself. They contradict each other. 
Or look at the resurrection accounts in the four Gospels sometime and ask yourself, how many women went to the empty tomb? What were their names? Was the, ro- was the stone rolled away before the women arrived or after they got there? What did they see there? One man, two men, or two angels? What were they told to do? To tell the disciples to go to Galilee or not? Did they tell the disciples or not? Did the disciples go to Galilee or not? It depends which gospel you read. You get a different story every time. We should not say that these are a bunch of details and don't affect the larger picture. The larger picture is made up of nothing but details. The big pictures are vastly different, too, as you'll see, once you allow yourself to admit that the details are all different up and down the line. In my opinion now, the accounts of the Gospels cannot be reliable because they differ in hundreds of ways, both big and small, and they contain numerous historical errors. All right, Mark Pearson. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I don't know if... uh Wolf really got this one. Um, <laughs> Airman is doing a scare tactic where he uh, always inflates numbers. He does this especially with the variants because he's a textual critic, and he'll say there are 200 to 400,000 variants, and of course he thinks that means that uh, it's not true. Here he, he mentions thousands of examples, hundreds, and he lists, what, four or five? And he'll say, oh, I don't have time, but I mean, I have a book, uh, as most pastors probably do, a book on uh, you know Bible contradictions and contradictions answered, and there aren't thousands of them. I mean, the the Gospels are not that long, so I don't know how many examples he's thinking he's coming up with. Um, for some of those, I'm not going to hit all those. Um, let's see. Uh, well, the one, and I'll use this one first, because this is actually Airman's favorite example, if you read enough of his stuff. It's the one about um, when did uh, when did the Gospels talk about uh, when Jesus died? Which day was it? And he'll always say, the Gospel, the Synoptics say this, but the Gospel of John says that it was the day of preparation for Passover, meaning the day before. Um, what he doesn't tell you, though, is that in the Greek, that can just be um, the week-long festival. It doesn't have to be that day. It can be talking about a week-long festival, meaning there is no discrepancy. Uh, go ask anyone who knows Greek. Say, look at these in Greek. How does John use this word throughout his gospel consistently in Greek? And there's no discrepancy between the gospels on when Jesus died. Um, let's see. For... Well, actually, I'll bring up this one, too. Um, the names of the women going to the tomb of Jesus. Uh, Richard Balcom handles this one very effectively. He talks about um, the, the reason that the names differ is not because the uh, authors of the Gospels have contradicted each other. It's they're emphasizing different people who went based on who is still alive at the time of the author's writing. Because when you report history, you need to have a reliable source. And so, and I don't know uh, which is named in which gospel, but if, say, Mark mentions this Mary and that Mary and Salome or something, um, and then later in John's gospel, if, if John's written after Mark, uh, he doesn't mention all of them but only one of them or something, it's because the others might have died. And Balcom actually makes a very convincing case for this. So the difference in names have nothing to do with accuracy. They have to do with the author being responsible and telling his audience whom they can go talk to who is still living. And uh, the last one I'll mention only is simply uh, by Airman's own criterion. Examine his autobiographical recounting of how he lost his faith, which he tends to give in every single book he writes now, and it doesn't match. 
he has numerous details that don't fit together. <laughs> uh, in one, he loses his faith because he found a discrepancy in the Gospel of Mark. In another, he loses his faith because he can't see how uh, uh, a New Testament with that many variants can be from God. Uh, in another, it has nothing to do with the New Testament. It's because he couldn't reconcile the evil in the world with a good God. So by Airman's own criterion, we shouldn't trust him. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You're so oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller. Well, I had um, uh, one, two, three, four, five. I had. Uh, I thought that Mark would talk about the historical reliability of the scriptures. That's kind of easy, though. I'm only going to give myself a half point for that. Oh, my. Uh, that he would mention that there was a thousand examples, so that a millennium of discrepancy, and that that was a bit over the top. I got that you got one. that one? Come on. Yeah. I got that I thought, one, too. I thought that you would talk about the that the discrepancies of the genealogies, as it's outlining different people uh, there. Uh, you didn't mention that. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, I thought you also would talk about how if you um, if you want to find discrepancies, you'll find them. But uh, but if you begin to see these as unique eyewitness accounts, uh, then the different details from the different perspectives serve the opposite. Rather than destroying the integrity of the scripture and the gospel account, they actually increase the integrity of them. And you mentioned that a little bit with the idea of. I'm mentioning the people who are alive for the day of the resurrection, but I'm only going to give myself a half point for that one. And then last, I thought you would say that all of this was wrong, which you did. Oh, come on. Well, all right, I'll take a half point for that. Giving me a total of one and three one-half points. I thought uh, Mark would would mention Bart Ehrman's name, so I'm going to give myself a half point for that. (laughs) Good grief. Okay. Um, I, uh, you complaining because I'm walloping you. I, by the way, was going to write down here, I was going to predict what you would predict that Mark would say. Okay, I got, I got two of three. Um, I thought Mark was going to be talking about how, um, uh, Bart Ehrman has a particular eye out. You mentioned this too, uh, Brian, but, um, has a particular eye out for contradictions and and you can just find them anywhere. Whereas when, when we would, uh, study historical documents, uh, we would want to let the tribes speak them for themselves as much as possible uh, so that we, we would actually have an attempt to harmonize rather than attempt to find contradictions. Uh, secondly, uh, I, I got that um, uh, that Mark would uh, talk about the uh, the, the women uh, uh, and the resurrection, probably not a specific uh, of, of what he did mention uh, with the uh, – so I'm going to give myself a half point for that. Uh, and then, <laughs> what is all this half points? <laughs> I'm gonna give myself three quarter points for that one. Um, <laughs> and then I, I uh, also figured that uh, this idea of there being hundreds of contradictions um, is a little bit of a uh, exaggeration. So, all right, so that's gonna be all the time we have for that. I think Pastor Wolfner came out on top there. Hey, come out to uh, Rogue River June 16th and 17th and hear Mark talk about uh, evangelism. Uh, what would it mean if Jesus really arose from the dead? Also, Pastor Brian Wilson will be speaking as well. What your conscience wants versus what your conscience needs. Thanks, Mark, for being on the program. Thanks, Evan. Next time, please play some white stripes for me instead of Stevie Wonder and whatever the heck the other stuff is. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio, where the points are like white stripes. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. 
you can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.